0: Did you know that with Drizzly, you can get drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes? Yep. With Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app, you can shop a huge
1: selection of beer, wine, and liquor, including favorites like Don Julio and Bullet Bourbon. Plus, you can shop across multiple stores in your area to find what you want at the best prices. Download the app or visit drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y and use code SAVE to save $5 on your first order today
2: football and fulham is back and to celebrate beer 52 we're offering free beer again so you've got something tasty to sip on while watching the game from the comfort of your home yes they're offering eight free craft beers they're sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free all you need to do to claim your box is go to beer52.com forward slash fulham and cover the five pounds 95 postage now if you don't know about beer 52 i've so thoroughly recommend them. They are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They've got 150,000 members. And what they do is they send you a brand new case of craft beer every single month. Each case has a different theme. Past themes include beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, the USA, Europe, but they also send you some UK beers and they're really passionate about the UK craft beer scene too. Uh, Honestly, the different selections that you get are fantastic. I've never had the same beer twice uh, and it's so much better than what you get in the supermarket. I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend you get your free case if you haven't before. Uh, You also get their award-winning beer magazine, Ferment, and a tasty snack as well. And if you change your mind, you can pause or cancel your accounts at any time. So to claim your beers, go to beer52.com forward slash Fulham to get your first case of eight beers for just £5.95 postage. That's beer52.com forward slash Fulham.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast.
2: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and in today's episode we're going to briefly look back at Fulham's Wednesday night Carabao Cup victory against Sheffield Wednesday at Craven Cottage as we booked our place in the fourth round and a trip to Championship side Brentford. Here to discuss everything that happened in last night's game and look a bit ahead to that fourth round match is Dara Curran. How's it going? And Adam Carson. It's great to have me on. if you haven't seen the clip of matt hancock the health secretary here in the uk saying it's great to have me on at the end of one of his interviews on bbc breakfast find it on twitter it will make your week um it is utterly brilliant okay lads um let's do some three-word reviews from last night's victory adam i believe you've been looking over them
1: yep so I've separated these into two lots. the ones about the game and the ones about the next round. um nice. so we've got the first one which is Fulham four two three one with the French connection. yeah uh we've got Frank Miller at zero five with Wednesday's Woeful Wednesday, <laughs> and then finally we've got Sebby Clark with Bobby can't finish, thank God it's over Reed
2: <laughs> <laughs> makes a change from some of the ones last season where it would tends to be using his name in a much more positive way.
1: Well, we we had duckies overread, but I don't think it really was over, was it?
2: No, it wasn't. So uh, the duck very much still remains
1: and then we've got uh, two about the the next round which is remember us Brentford from Christine on Twitter mm. and of course Sol Bamba with Legoland trip booked
2: I mean I can't believe that Brentford's first Premier League opponents at their new stadium is going to be little old Fulham I could you couldn't have written the script it's utterly perfect <laughs> uh, right we'll, we'll speak about that a lot in a minute but um, Dara let's come on to last night's game um, plenty of changes from Parker but overall a fairly strong starting 11. It was one of those performances yesterday where obviously just happy that we got the win. It was fairly solid in the end, but it was pretty unconvincing throughout, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, um, a lot of changes, but still looked strong. Um, I think, as you say, 2-0, it could have been a lot more comfortable for ourselves. The Wednesday were pretty good in the first half, um, and I think the early goal just settled us, which was good, but... We just lacked that clinical edge in front of goal. We we created six big chances and we only scored two. So need to work on that.
2: Yeah, indeed. And um, Adam, the, the goal came pretty early, as Dara said, and it did kind of settle the nerves for Fulham. And as we said so many times, when we do tend to get that first goal, we do tend to kill off games fairly well. Um, it all seems so simple, that opening goal. Michael Hector did the world's biggest header um, and it kind of put through Knockart, who was very unselfish to tear to up for Kamara, who ha- had a very easy... Tap in, but yeah, it all just seemed all too easy. If only Michael Hector could just head and assist every game.
1: I think that's half the problem, though, is that you know Hector was coming out into midfield to actually win that header. We see him do that week in, week out in the Premier League, and the the problem is he gets caught out a lot. He just didn't on this occasion. But if it keeps getting assists, maybe it's it's worth the risk. As you say, yeah, he seemed to he played through. Knockhart, who was actually onside, despite Gary Monk screaming offside, um, so Knockhart's onside. passed it to Kamara, and it's an easy tap in. But it was kind of a it was fruitful for Knockhart when he's actually you know playing people in rather than trying to shoot himself.
2: Yeah. Uh, throughout,
1: that, like, throughout that game, we saw the the good, the bad, and the ugly of Knockhart. Yeah. We saw the good, which is the assist. We saw the sublime, which was uh, the dink shot, um, Clint Dempsey esque. And then we saw the ugly, which is where towards the end of the game you can tell his confidence is up, but he's starting to take some more of the pot shots that maybe he would be better squaring.
2: Yeah, indeed, he does just seem to—he's um, like on FIFA when you have when you when you lean back too much every time you shoot, he just always skying it. I just he just needs to keep it down. He'd be an excellent um, rugby conversion taker. I know that for much for a fact. Uh, and then Dara Fulham second came quite shortly after um, good work from Robertson to find Onoma all the Sheffield Wednesday defense just seemed to encircle Josh Onoma I think there was about four around him, which just meant that uh, when Josh Onoma was able to swivel and get something away, um, reed had a pretty simple tap in and hopefully good for for reeds confidence to get two and two.
0: Yeah, it was good hold up play from Onoma. Um Again, all the all the uh, Wednesday players just seem to be drawn to him. But, um, yeah, good for Bobby Reed to get the tap in because I think that's all that he's kind of scoring at the moment apart from like one or two last season where he just pulled out some really ridiculous skill. He just tends to be a little... Uh, a little poor on front of goal, so if he can get any little goal at the moment, is good for him for boost his confidence.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like on Saturday he maybe put a few demons to rest on 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 his finishing because I thought that was such an emphatic finish. And whilst okay, yes, he was played through one-on-one you still got quite a lot to do there and you know as someone like um, Anthony Knockart often shows with one-on-ones they're not as easy as they often look and he did actually finish it fairly well so it's a fair play to Bobby. Uh, We didn't have it all our own way though Adam and Wednesday... Missed a few good chances in that first half. And a couple of them really were the makings of our own downfall, giving the ball away in defense quite cheaply sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think that's that is going to be a factor of our play uh, for a little while. Whilst whilst we're still choosing to play out from the back, we are having to take risks, and any team that presses us high is going to get those chances back. But it's it's where you're giving the ball out from the wide areas into the centre of the pitch, and you know you're, you're leaving your centre backs exposed. That's where I see the worries because Premier League teams will take advantage of that one. Uh, we've already seen from the likes of Arsenal and Leeds that uh, their pressing game has caused us problems, and. You know, it's exactly what Villa and the like other uh, teams coming up are going to look to do against us as well.
2: Yeah, indeed. And I guess it is just worrying while we try and settle in this defense that we're going to get picked apart from from some of those sloppy bits of play. And definitely a Premier League team would have would have made us pay. But it was pleasing, Dara, that Marek Rodak had such an impressive performance. And I'm really on the fence with Marek at the moment because look, Areola is clearly a top class keeper you just have to look at like his twitter profile where he's kissing the world cup to realize the man's pedigree like but marit rodak in my eyes hasn't done a lot wrong to not be number 1 still and okay yes against arsenal gabriel's goal it went through his legs but it was from a yard out and Ariola wasn't that impressive for me against Leeds. He didn't do anything spectacularly wrong, but also some of the goals were a little bit soft. What What's your feeling on the whole Rodak Ariola debate at the moment? Because Parker's got a real decision to make. And I guess what's made it harder for Parker is that he didn't have a proper pre-season where he could analyze the two head to head.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Rodak, uh, as are many Fulham fans. I, I'm sure. Um, I think that's that's the thing. We didn't have a chance to properly look at him. Maybe that's why Parker's thrown him in in the last game at Leeds just to see what he's all about. Um, obviously, he would have had an idea before signing him. But uh, yeah, I was I, I thought that Ariola would probably eventually take the number one spot. But I was surprised to see him come in so soon into the season. I thought Rodak would have been given given the benefit of the doubt based on his performances last season. He really pulled off a couple of good saves last night. It, could have been a lot tighter. He was there when he was called upon. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What he def- Parker definitely has a big call to make.
2: Yeah, I mean, Adam, what's your thoughts on on the Rodak v Areola? Because it's it's kind of come to a head after such an impressive display from Marek last night.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, Marek's got the clean sheet under his belt, which uh, Ariola hasn't got yet. We did see Ariola made some mistakes in the Leeds game as well. Oh, Ariola necessarily-
2: did keep a clean sheet against Ipswich.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that one sort of counts.
2: Yeah. I, I it wasn't quite in the same circumstances, but I get what you mean.
1: <laughs> okay, so they have one clean sheet each. Um, from from there as well, it's the, it's the fact that they're consistently pushing one another. So, you know, if Marek Rodak has, you know, as you say, a World Cup winning goalkeeper behind him, consistently coaching and pushing him and trying to make him a better goalkeeper, it's it's only a benefit to Fulham because it means that if Rodak is struggling, we have one of the best goalkeepers to be able to come in and take his place. But equally, if Marek is in the form that he was in last night and can continue that, um, then he has no reason not to stay in goal for me.
2: Yeah, indeed. And then in the second half, the probably the most interesting things that happened, well, uh, certainly the beginning of the second half, I can't believe that Sheffield Wednesday didn't score. There was real pinball in the Fulham box and... I'm just not 100% sure how it didn't end up in in the back of the net. So, Gary Monk will be feeling that he's a bit disappointed. And I was quite surprised to see Parker say in his press conference today that he thought the defending. Was good when I'm thinking, well, a championship side came to Craven Cottage and created probably three chances they should at least have scored whilst they didn't go in. I think it's a bit of a stretch to say that we defended well in that game. But anyway, what I was going to come on to was the substitutions in the second half for Fulham and... Oh, it was nice, firstly, Dara, to see Carvalho and Tyrese Francois get a run out. And, and Carvalho was unlucky not to uh, maybe get on the score sheet.
0: Yeah, he came close towards the end to nearly getting on it. Um, it was nice to see the youngsters get a run out because they're, based on who we're linked with and the players that we've already signed, they're probably not going to see much game time this season unless we do go far in the Cup. So I was delighted to see them coming on. They, they were quite lively. Uh, involved in play, linked up quite well, um, and Francois created a good chance for Bobby Reed towards the end of the game. So yeah, I, w- I was delighted to see some some of the youngsters get a chance.
2: Probably the substitution that raised the most eyebrows, Adam, has to be Jean-Michel seri He came on for Josh Onoma, um after an hour, so he got a good half hours run out and. I thought he played pretty well. I mean, um, our own Frankie Taylor points out that he got more touches in 30 minutes than Decadova Dover-Reed and Niskins Cabano managed in the whole 90 minutes. And okay, it wasn't the best performance from Seri, but you can see his quality. And there's been a bit of a rewriting of Seri's abilities, I feel like, because everything that happened that season in the Premier League went so terribly wrong. I think some people... Th- have suddenly made out that John McElserie is a flop or a terrible player, a bit like Anguissa, like he's obviously got quality. I, I can see how he doesn't necessarily fit into our side. And you know, we know all the stories about how he can't play in the cold and and, and stuff, but you saw last night he came on and he's a tidy footballer that clearly has some pedigree.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see him back playing for Fulham. I mean, he's an asset of ours, whether we keep him in this window, whether he goes, he still is an asset uh, for us. I think I'd probably describe him as a bit of a non-spectacular footballer at times. He links up the play really well. He makes lots of passes, takes lots of touches. But I'm not really sure what his role in the team is going forward. And I think he's kind of a victim of our system potentially, because he's not necessarily defensively good enough to play as a six with the kind of defence we currently have behind him unless we have the ball for the entire game and he kind of acts more as a quarterback. He doesn't displace Frank as an eight in a month of Sundays, really. No. And I think that, you know, you've got Frank, you've got Onoma that can play really well in that position as well. Um, he could work as a 10, but it kind of feels to me like we're trying to fit square pegs in round holes with Seri when maybe it's the best case that he does have to move on so that we can see the best of him.
2: Yeah, indeed. But interesting that we'd even bring him on for half an hour. Maybe it's Parker just wanting to see what he's still got. But if he's going to be sold, Dara, then it seems like a fairly odd substitution to make for for half an hour from from Parker's point of view. Do you think there's a chance that Seri doesn't go?
0: Potentially. I mean, Tony Khan kind of alluded to it at the start of the season that unless a bid comes in, he'll probably stay. I, I again, I'm kind of with Adam. I don't really see where he fits in. It it seems last time we we're in the Premier League that he was almost just shoehorned into the squad somewhere, and it it didn't really work for us. So I'm not sure what role he has to play for us.
2: Yeah, no, I'm not sure either. I think it's, um, yeah, every time I guess. It remains to be seen what the future is for John McElserie, but certainly very, very interesting to see him get half an hour last night. And well, really pretty much that was, that was it from the game. Um, Anthony Robinson though, massively impressed. Um, he was the top scorer on Fulhamish's player ratings from last night. He was also named man of the match by um, the official Twitter account. And Adam a real battle emerging there as well at left back, and we said last season how Joe Bryan didn't have any competition in that berth, and now he's got real competition. There was an Instagram that Joe Bryan posted last night of him sitting on the sidelines watching that game, and Joe must have been thinking, "All right, Anthony, calm it down, lad. Like <laughs> he's 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 a real threat to that left back starting berth, isn't he?" He is. I mean, at left
1: back, you could see that he could take the place of Joe Bryan because I don't think we've seen that level of directness, you know, from a full back in Fulham since Ryan Fredericks. And it is absolutely amazing to see because it does give us uh, an extra threat. I think he doesn't necessarily quality wise displace Joe Bryan from a delivery perspective just yet. He can drive into the box, but I think having Joe Bryan's delivery is key to our squad as well. You know, even from some of the free kicks he takes. So, I would possibly look at how we could fit both into the squad and not shoehorn them in. But Joe Bryan played a lot of his time at Bristol City at left wing as well. Um, We know that his defensive qualities have been questioned. Um, So maybe there is the option of actually playing Anthony Robertson at left wing back or left back and then playing Joe Bryan on the wing.
2: Hmm. I mean, you, you, you kind of look at that, don't you, and think, actually... That could be a fairly effective option with with Joe Bryan on the wing, because the likes of Ivan Cavallero and to a point, Niskins on the left as well have kind of flattered to deceive in their opening two Premier League games. But it kind of remains to be seen whether Joe Bryan can also be creative at a Premier League level as well. For
1: sure, I think that you know, we, we might have to change our system a little bit to fit that, but the way that we've been trying to play these wingers hasn't worked for us so far in the fact that they've been trying to kind of cut in, create opportunities almost as additional number 10s really for us, rather than actually being true wingers. So if we're actually getting the service from Teto on the right-hand side, maybe we can find a, a similar kind of out-and-out out winger to play on the right-hand side, or alternatively you play Kamara in there as a kind of second striker. I think there are there is a role in our team emerging for the second striker role that never used to be there probably because of the people that we had at the club. But you do have people like Kamara, um, Cabano that, and Bobby Decker, obviously, that can play that second striker role really well. So I wonder, wonder whether there might be an emergence of that in the upcoming formations as well.
2: Yeah, indeed. Well, it's uh, going to be a fourth round match against Brentford. Um, uh, probably... Going to be a week today, as in Thursday next week, because of course you've got Aston Villa on the Monday night, which the game's been moved to 5:45 now for the third time that 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 kickoff time has been changed, and that's coming because with the pubs shutting. Earlier in England after the government's announcement on Tuesday, it's meant that the Liverpool Arsenal games needed to be moved from 8.15 to 8, which then had a knock on to our game. So it's been moved forward 15 minutes. Um, and then you've got Wolves away on the Sunday. So the only logical place it can be is next Thursday. Be interesting to see if it's televised or not. There are some big games uh, in the fourth round, I think. Spurs are playing Chelsea and Arsenal are are playing Liverpool, but of course, local derby was the playoffs um, back at Brentford's new ground. It's certainly one that the TV selectors might consider. So it'd be very, very interesting to see if we get the nod for TV. Um, Right, we're going to take a little bit of a break and then we're going to look forward to Monday's game against Aston Villa. Would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone? I thought you might. If so, sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates, transfer updates, breaking FFC news and podcast alerts. It's 100% free and you can opt out anytime if you want. To sign up, go to fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Adam Carson and Dara Curran. So we're going to look ahead to Monday night's game against Aston Villa. Going to be speaking to Dan Bardell from uh, the Athletic and also from the Villa View to get an opposition view on things. Just Adam, quickly, um, what are you hoping to see on Monday in terms of Scott's starting 11 against Villa. There was obviously lots of changes for the Leeds game. So what are you thinking that Scott will be doing on Monday to try and get our first points of the season? It's an absolutely massive game, isn't it?
1: So I'd really love uh, to take some of the players that have performed exceptionally well in the in the cup games and obviously in the league games and just put that into our strongest starting eleven that we can. Sounds simple, but we we've seen managers struggle with that in recent times. So I'd start with probably actually I would start with Marek Rodak in goal. Yeah, I would try try and keep him as our number one with Ariola pushing him. Yeah, Uh, I would start with Anthony Robinson. Left back after that performance yesterday, I do think it was exemplary, and I'd love to see him starting for us. I probably then have Tim Ream and Michael Hector. Um, I don't think we have another option just yet. I don't think Adoyi impressed enough at left centre back to warrant taking that place. And Hector does have quality, just needs to come good. Uh, Kenny Tete at right back. I think you know he's solidified his place there. At six, I would actually have um, Harrison Reid still with Anguisa. And I'd actually put Tom Kearney in front. He's got a good record against Villa. And I think I wonder whether he was rested last night because there is all focus towards the Villa game with him playing at 10. Uh, Joe Bryan, uh, left wing. Uh, on the right, I'd put Kamara. I think he was really good as uh, you know, the striker role yesterday. Um, so I, I still want to keep him in the team however we can. He is kind of the the wild card in our arsenal at the moment. And then up front, uh, obviously starting Alexander Mitrovic.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll be, I, I don't massively disagree with what you're saying there, Adam, actually. I think, um, I'd like to see knock up, maybe get a run in the team. I think that he's shown flashes of, of quality. And I, I, just think that the wingers are a little bit of an issue at the moment. Um, but I'm certainly interested to see what he does there. And of course, we'll be interesting to see, um, if the Marlon signing happens in time, it, Apparently, he's having a medical at Fulham as we speak. Um, So it does look very close. This uh, reported 14 million pound move from Sassuolo Um, looks imminent, although I reckon Monday may be coming a little bit soon for him. Right. Let's go speak to Dan Bardell, as I said, from the Athletic and from the Villa View. And I started off by asking him how things are looking in the Villa camp after an opening game win for them.
3: Yeah, I feel a like of the club's in a pretty good place at the moment. I mean, you'll know from when you were last in the Premier League and then we've obviously had a season as well where transfers can be a bit scattergun, but because it's our, our second season, we haven't had to be as busy, although we are still doing business and we are spending some money. I think because we ended quite well and ended up staying up, there's like a feel good that's, that's carried over. We've obviously managed to keep our best players as well. We've managed to keep Jack Grealish, which is a massive thing. Because I've got, I've got to be honest, I thought we had no hope of keeping him. But I think COVID, and the way the world is at the moment, has probably played a part. But he seems happy to be here and he seems to believe in the projects of the club at the moment. And I just think we'll get a few more in. I think we look a better outfit than, than we were last season. We we're a lot more solid defensively than we were for the majority of last season. Get it right up top. And I, I think we'll have to be on for a decent season.
2: You've certainly brought in some good players. Uh, Matty Cash, probably the one that stands out the most because Fulham were also interested in him earlier in the window. He's obviously opted for Villa and instead we've bought Kenny Tete. Uh, How's he settled into the Villa squad?
3: Yeah, he started off like an absolute house on fire. I think in the first five minutes, he bombed up the wing a couple of times and put in some really good balls. He faded a little bit towards the end as he probably tired. Obviously, it was his first ever Premier League game. But it's a lot of money. Obviously, he'll know it's a lot of money. Everyone will think it's a lot of money. But we're quite lucky in the fact that we've got pretty wealthy owners at the moment who are prepared to put their hands their hands in the pocket. So it's the money's not a massive problem for us. But I think you've done good business as well. I think, 3 million, was it, for, for Teta? I think I think that's pretty good business for someone who's got Champions League experience and has been playing at a high level Dutch international. But we seem to want this English core at the moment, especially at the back. The back four at the, on Monday we're, were all English, which is, is, is nice to see. The last time Villa was successful, which was probably about 1996, and, and to be fair, under Martin O'Neill, under Martin O'Neill as well in uh, the, the late 2000, you know, 2008 to 2010, we had a predominantly English back line so it's it's kind of a, a nice thing to say but he was very good I was very impressed with him and I think he's one of them that's only going to get better but if he wants to get an England squad obviously there's a lot of competition at right back at the moment how has Ollie
2: Watkins settled into the squad? Obviously, his last game for Brentford was against us in the playoff final. And
3: yeah.
2: he didn't have his greatest game. It was kind of built up as Watkins versus Mitrovic, the two top scorers in the championship. But from what I recall, Ollie Watkins had maybe one shot on goal. And, and look, Mitrovic didn't play a massive part in the final either because he was injured. But it'll be interesting for him. His second game is up against the club that kind of denied him to get promoted with Brent. Uh, And in that opening game against Sheffield United, I thought he was okay, but not spectacular.
3: I think it was difficult for him purely because of Sheffield United going down to 10 men so early. So they obviously sat very deep and Watkins is the kind of player that that wants to run in behind. His off the ball movement's very good. I mean, obviously he's the one that ended up getting John Egan sent off with his movement and his pace, but the way we were forced to play was just swinging crosses into the box, which probably didn't really really suit him, to be honest. He looked good in the cup game the, the week before. Again, it's a massive, massive transfer fee. It's clear that we've probably spent more than, than we wanted to, but we were desperate for a striker because we didn't have one last season and that, that was one of the reasons why we were down the bottom. I think if we'd have had him last season... I don't think we'd have been in the trouble that that we were. So I think he'll do well for us. From from what I hear, everyone around the club's pretty impressed with him. I think he is a Premier League player and I think he'll hit double figures. And I'm just looking forward to seeing more more of him. I'm not sure what his record's been like against Fulham over the years, but hopefully he can bag one on Monday.
2: I want to get your thoughts on the relationship between Fulham and Villa and the fans. Obviously, we played you in the playoff final and we all know what happens and it's felt ever since then from a Fulham perspective, like Villa fans have had a bit of a chip on their shoulder about Fulham. And I went on football focus before we played the FA cup game in January. And, and I said that there's a weird rivalry between Fulham, but not to read too much into it. Anyway, I have never had so many people on my Twitter mentions, basically slating me for thinking that, but my feeling was is that we went up and it felt like Villa were very happy every time that Fulham lost in the Premier League. And then obviously when the two sides kind of swapped divisions, there was some real gloating as well. And there's the whole, you know, Aston Villa doing a Fulham. So from my perspective, it does feel like something there, but I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are from a Villa point
3: of view. I mean, for me, there's there's absolutely nothing. I mean, did I enjoy that day at Wembley? Absolutely not. All at my, everlasting memory from that day is just hearing the Fulham fans shout ream every five minutes as he swept up all our useless attacks because let's face it we were pretty crap that, that day and you, you you deserve to win I've got absolutely no problems with that whatsoever and it, us not going up actually turned into a good thing because the ownership changed and we've ended up where we are now and it's not for me personally I like Fulham it's my my favourite away day I'm a bit gutted that that's obviously going to be taken away from me because I enjoy going to Craven Cottage even though I've never actually seen us win there I think I've been six or seven times now and I've, I've not seen us win once so it's not a happy place for me to go but it's a place that I like I think all these weird rivalries there, there's always going to be an element if something happens like Newcastle fans have got a weird weird rivalry with Villa because we sent them down a couple of times and we laughed about it so Newcastle now don't like Villa I think Villa are one of those clubs that we just seem to pick up weird little rivalries with fans. There always seems to be something going on with opposition fans but for me personally I've got nothing against Fulham at all. I I like Fulham. I'm I'm glad they're back, back in the Premier League and it's nice to get to talk to you with both of us being in the Premier League.
2: Yeah, well, I mean we all know what happened that day, don't we, at Wembley and it worked out in the end for both clubs because here we are back in in the Premier League and and as you say, it was maybe a blessing in disguise for you what what happened that day and it seems that the regime you're under now is much more healthy than it was back in 2018 and you survived last year in the Premier League. It was pretty close, but you did it and that's at the end of the day the objective and you know if Fulham could do exactly what you guys did last year and stay up on the last day in 17th it would test my heart rate but ultimately it would be a successful season so what are the secrets to how Villa did it last year and why clubs close to you Watford Bournemouth weren't quite as successful what was what was the key ingredient that that Dean Smith had to, to get you guys over the
3: line I think you've ticked one box because I think you've got the goal scorer. I think if you've got someone that can get into double figures, you, you're going to be okay. You, you, you're going to score goals, and you, you've shown that it, it's the other side of things. It's, it's the defense. So the biggest thing for me is finding a balance because for before lockdown, we could we just couldn't defend. We look we look good at the start of the season. We look like we'd score goals, and I thought, okay, we'll settle here. We'll get better defensively, and we'll we'll have a relatively comfortable season. We'll be we'll be in a battle, but I don't think we'll go down. But then. Just before lockdown, I thought, we're we're finished here. There's no way we're staying up. But that enforced break gave us time to regroup. And even when we came back first from from that lockdown, we weren't brilliant. We were losing games 1-0, drawing 0-0, 1-1s. But actually, that work on the defence, it was was what ended up keeping us up. Because for the last four games, we we went and beat. And we managed to win a couple of games by the odd goal. And ultimately, that was what kept us up. So you have to find a balance. But if you can't defend, you're going to be in massive trouble. from what I've seen of Fulham so far, I see players like, I mean, I might be way off here. I'm not going to pretend that I've watched Fulham every week for the last few years because I have. But I see someone like Adoy still playing. And I think, was he Premier League quality last time you were in the Premier League? And he's now in the he's now in the Premier League starting for you again. And I look at that and automatically for me, that would be alarm bells ringing straight away that, that you haven't got the personnel in, in defence. I think from what I've seen of Hector, He's a Premier League player. He looks at a little bit all over the place as well. So I think you've done well to bring in Teta. I think your goalkeeper is a goalkeeper that I've always rated highly, Ariola. I think he's a very good goalkeeper but you need a couple of centre-backs because otherwise you're going to be in trouble. Because I think you'll score goals because Mitrovic has proved he will score goals for Fulham, but it's getting the defence right. If you're shipping goals, you ain't going to win games.
2: Which must mean that you're probably relishing the thought of playing us on Monday. Villa fans must be going into it quite confident because the likes of Grealish, the likes of Watkins, they must have seen what Fulham, the performance defensively, we put in against Leeds on Saturday and be thinking, we can get a few goals here.
3: Yeah, but the thing for us is score, scoring more than more than one. We're, I, we're not. I don't think we're going to be prolific at the moment. I think we're still finding that balance because we have got it so right defensively. Now there has been something taken away from us going forward. We've still got still got players getting up to, up to speed a, a little bit as well. McGinn still not not himself. He wasn't very good on Monday against Sheffield United. I think injuries have taken its toll on him, and then having that massive break as well, he's still not up to one hundred percent. So. We need our big players to go well. Jacks, obviously, an unbelievable talent. If he tends to play well, then we then we tend to play well and, and we'll be okay. But I'd say I'm quietly confident. I'm not going to go there and say, oh, "Yeah, we're definitely going to win." But I'm, I'm quietly confident because I do think we we are tight defensively. Now, Conser and Mings, we've got a very good goalkeeper, casher who we spoke about, looked good. Targets, obviously, who's been at Fulham. He's very up and down. One week he looks brilliant. The next week I'll worry about him defensively. So. We've got the defence there or thereabouts. It's about fine-tuning and getting the balance of the rest of the side right. But I'd fancy us to score and I'd fancy us to keep a clean sheet, so... It depends on Mitrovic, I guess.
2: Uh, And if you were a Fulham manager or Fulham scout going into this game and you're looking at Aston Villa, what are the kind of weak parts of the side that you'd try and exploit? You mentioned there that you may be not massively prolific at the moment. and, And I would look at your midfield of Hurahan, Louise, McGinn, and I would say that it's not one of the stronger midfield trios in the Premier League if I'm being... Truthfully honest, is that yeah. maybe somewhere where Fulham can get some joy if they if, you know, likes Savangisa, if he can maybe assert his authority in the middle of the park, or are there other areas of the pitch where you're a bit worried as a villa fan where that teams can get at you?
3: I think defensive wise, I think we're okay. And Louise, to be fair, I haven't mentioned, has been a massive part of that. I was not having him at all before lockdown and around Christmas. I thought I can't see what people are seeing in this guy, but he came back after lockdown as a DM and his positioning. He's, he's finding himself in the right place at the right time. He's he's, get, he's moving the ball quickly. He's a very, very good player and he'll end up back at Man City in the next 12 months now, I'm sure of that. I've mentioned McGinn because he's, he's knocked back to, to, to full fitness. I think we're probably looking to buy a central midfielder, so I don't think the squad's complete at the moment. Harrahan's someone who I've got a lot of time for, some, someone I love and he's in the team. His set pieces are, are unbelievable. We get a lot of goals off his set pieces. It's maybe our wing play, that, that maybe lets us down a bit at times. Trezeguet on the right, he's very, very up and down. El Ghazi, when he plays there instead of him, he's up and down as well. Jack spends a lot of time obviously floating around, even though he's predominantly playing from the left. You'll very rarely find him hugging hugging the touchline. So I don't think there's weak points, but I think there's things that can be improved on at the moment. And we're still getting used to having Watkins as the striker up front as well. So all that's not fine finely tuned enough at the moment. But I do fancy us and I do think you'll be in for a tough game.
2: Exactly. Well, Dan, um, good to chat to you. Obviously, only so New much pal. we can really analyse after one game or something. But um, you mentioned that you expect Villa to win and to keep a clean sheet. But do you want to put a prediction down uh, in stone?
3: I'll go 1-0 to Villa again. All right. I got, I called, that's what I called on Monday last week. And that's what happened. Albeit we were against 10 men. But I don't know whether that actually helped us playing against 10 men. In all honesty, I think we found that quite tough. But yeah, if I had to put my neck on the lawn, I'd say 1-0 to Villa.
2: So the key is Fulham get us sending off early doors and we might be all right.
3: Yeah, that's, that's the key. If you get a man's <laughs> action, our record, our record against 10 men over the last 12 months has not been good at all. So I'm su- surprised we came out with a win, to be fair, last week.
2: Well, uh, we'll give Dennis Adoy some orders early doors just to give himself an early bath. Um, Dan, thank you very much for chatting to Fulhamish. No worries, mate. Well, thank you very much, Dan. And it'll be interesting to see exactly how things go on Monday against Villa. As I said, again, 5.45pm kickoff. And if, if you're in the UK, it's on Sky Sports. Um, Adam, what are you thinking for podcast name today?
1: So I think we're going to have to go with Fulham four two three ones, The French Connection after Knockhart set up uh, AK for the
2: opener. It maybe should be Le French Connection. It probably should be. But no, no, it's not what they put. We'll go for the French connection. Uh, Rules are rules. Okay, well, thank you very much. And a good name for the pod as always. Um, And we will be back. Hopefully, uh, the next podcast will be released on Tuesday morning. I believe Jack is going to be hosting uh, all the reaction to our Aston Villa game, of course. And we'll be looking ahead to that Carabao Cup game against Brentford, which we expect to be uh, a week today. So, Adam, thank you very much for being on the pod today. Cheers, Sammy. And Dara Curran, thank you very much for being on the pod today. Nice awesome, guys. And have a good weekend. Come on, you Whites.